AM and 100.9 FM, KWWN, Las Vegas. The 5 O'Clock Frenzy is presented by Nova Home Loans. Call 577-2600 for help in buying a new home. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 5 O'Clock Hour, no Steve Cofield, John Von Tobel, Adam Hill alongside. You know what I really wanted? I wanted to start like a uh, a podcast, not because I feel like I have things that I, I don't get to cover or whatever it is. I just wanted a podcast set up where they have, I think every good podcast content, I mean, it doesn't matter. You have a set with comfy chairs and like those mics, you know what I mean? On the big stands. And you sit like this, like I'm sitting right now. Well, also, I mean, you could do it like in a bed. Ooh, like lay on my tummy, or on a or on a parking garage floor. I feel like laying on my tummy and like kicking my feet back and forth, you know. Or at a while zoo. I talk like at this. a zoo. I'm, I'm just listing. I'm listing the places that uh, Bobby Altoff has done her interviews recently. Who is that girl, by the way? <laughs> it's, it's the big mystery. I don't like. I don't understand. She's an industry plant. Uh, but like that's. <laughs> It's like I so I like I like TikTok, but it's just to scroll through and look at nonsense, right? And you know, funny videos, uh, video games, cooking, all sorts of you know my interests. But then every once in a while, you stumble upon these things like this girl, who like all of a sudden is like interviewing Mark Cuban and Drake. Tyga just came out this weekend. What's what? Who? What? What is it? What's the appeal? Is it is it her demeanor during the interviews? Is that what it is? Her, I mean, the character that she's playing. What's the? I don't understand what the character she, is. You, Tyga, Demond looks frustrated. I like, why don't it. you get it? I watched it. By the way, uh, Tyga, Tyga kind of he got her. Like she, she started to lose it, and she was cracking up, and he was just like, "You're breaking character right now. Like you should really, really get it together." I'm gonna have and to watch was. this one because I only watched the Drake interview. I don't get it either. She's got to be an industry. You watched plant. Mark Cuban? No, I didn't watch Mark. She Cuban. talked to him on the. They t- did it on the parking, the, like the floor of a parking garage. I watched five his minutes of it. His feet were filthy with that, and I watched five. It, it was terrible. Yeah, I, it was she, awful. Her her rise, her fall will be as quick as her rise. Like, there's not much more to it. Like, it was an interesting thing, and like, oh, you got some big celebrities, but now there's like nothing. There's no because she's not good at interviewing. Right. She didn't really ask good that's, questions. Well, that's the point is that she's not good at it. But so it was like, hey, this person who's not good at it is getting these big interviews, but like, where does it go from here? Right. It's almost it's it's over. So you don't get it either. No, I don't. It it makes me angry because I like that could be me. Not even that, but I I could be interviewing barefoot Mark Cuban. I don't get the shtick of not being interested of like just being aloof. Where it's like I'm going to be Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Rec, but she is a very Aubrey Plaza character. the the one that kind of set it all off was the funny Marco interview. Yes, that's the one that keeps actually popping up. Good. It was actually pretty good. Like there I, was some funny did. moments, some funny interactions. It was good. I also don't know who he is. And that's what that's what triggered like all these other people to to sit down with her. But then it's like okay, we we get it. It's it's over. The Drake one wasn't bad, but there's no there's nothing else. That's it. There's no more gimmick. I mean, there was a good Drake line that I feel like I should not repeat here. That was pretty sure. It was yeah, really there's fun. a couple of those. Right. It was you're really, right. You shouldn't say it. <laughs> it was really, I think you know what I'm trying to Yeah, yeah for good. sure. But that's it. I've seen like 10 seconds. I watched the whole hour. What's her name again? Bobby Altoff. Okay. And that's, okay. Yeah, I don't really understand it. It makes no sense. She was just a mom on TikTok. I follow, I went back on oh, her Oh, she's feed. a mom? Yeah. yeah. So I just yeah. went back on her entire feed of like, when did it click? When did people say we need this in our lives? She was just a mom on TikTok that was just, you know, do, doing the shtick. 
Wow. I it guess, was. All right. Now the, my mind's good. I thought she was like some 18 year old, no, like 20 year old girl. I think she's 26. Okay. Uh, but yeah, she was, she was doing mom videos. She was like a mom TikToker. And she started to try to get interviews. She basically put out a thing like, if anybody can get me a celebrity on my podcast, like I'll give them $300. And I guess Funny Marco is the one that right away was like, I'll do it. And so he has a big following. He did it. And it picked up so much traction that. Drake was like, all right, let's go. Okay. But that's why everybody is like, clearly she's being pushed by somewhere within the industry for that to have happened. Right. Okay. Like, but in her bio, she's got a talent agency. She is repped now by someone Now she definitely now. is. Well, now. That happens yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. but I'm saying- I so see now talentless people on TikTok all the time I, who all of a sudden have industry I'm agents. Cer- and- I'm certainly not against the idea that it was pushed somewhere within the industry of saying like, hey, let's make this happen. Now, the, the problem is there's nothing to it. Like now, okay, that was funny for- Two weeks. Now it's over. So much like watching Aiden O'Connell slice and dice the San Francisco Forty Nine ers. I do know. That. Oh, you stepped I on know, the segue. I know. I know. But she she did uh, reach out to a very prominent Las Vegan to do an interview. Hopefully in the next two weeks or so. I haven't received anything. I don't know. Let's say that it's not me. Josh Jacobs contract news. That'd be. <laughs> what if she was the one that he <laughs> that he sat down? Prominent. <laughs> yes. Tommy Laren. No. Sports figure. It's fine. We'll, we'll, it's good. I'm just letting you know that there may be a prominent Las Vegas on the podcast very soon. I can't think of anybody. Guy Fieri? No, that'd be interesting. That'd be good. Oh, sports figure. Former UNLV football player Tony Miller? <laughs> I don't think it's him either. <laughs> Sorry, do your, do your segue. No, <laughs> it's over now. It's such a good segue. Aiden O'Connell. You know, we were talking flash in the pan, much sure. like people think, you know. Sure. AOC. He doesn't like that. I don't know. No, fans don't. I should say, fans. Oh, why don't not? Me. I don't know. It's funny. It's a. I mean, it's of it's course. perfect. Of course it is. Just look right. at the nation on Twitter. So the Raiders beat the absolute snot out of the 49ers on Sunday. Did you catch? I know because I know you're up there in the the booth or whatever. Sure. The pre- did you catch the betting market and what was happening before the game? You mean people betting as if the 49ers had already won the game? So what I don't understand, and you know, so this is again, so preseason betting is like a whole thing, right? Where you got to get information, you want to get information before it happens. So like, I want to know. I think it was was it the Chiefs who played their starters for the first whole first quarter? Like, I want to know these things before the market moves. But then the, the news Broncos comes out the first half, huh? Broncos like the whole first half. Yeah, right. And sometimes it doesn't work out. But in, and in this instance. The news gets out like 10 minutes before the game that Jimmy Garoppolo is not starting and that maybe it's Brian Hoyer. I know Deshaun Reed had one of the tweets that was going to be maybe Brian Hoyer. And maybe that was it. Maybe it was the non-Garoppolo news. But like the line goes from some spots three and a half to as high as five here at Circa, four and a half in most spots as well. And again, it's only a point. But if there had been more time between the game, you wonder how much it would have gone up. What is that? Because if Jimmy – let's say Jimmy G plays yesterday. Knowing the McDaniels crew, what are we talking about? One drive, all handoffs, and get them out of there? How is that worth something? I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know. <laughs> so you had the same confusion me. that I did. I watched that. I was like, what is, I what did, is going now, on? I'm not surprised the Niners were favored, and I'm not surprised no. there was some movement on the Niners, but the the market getting carried away was a little bit surprising. Now, we know the, the market can move much quicker in the preseason than the regular season, of course, uh, because they're, you know, <laughs> there's just not as much money in the market, and there's, uh, you know, Instantaneous reactions to respected bet will move that, and you never in the regular season see hey starting quarterbacks not playing like you never see that before the game so um, that is different Uh, but yeah I mean I I think the the market moving when you say okay 
The 49ers have potentially, we didn't think Brock Purdy would play, but potentially Brock Purdy plays some. Then you've got Lance. Then you've got Sam Darnold. All pretty legitimate quarterbacks, mm-hmm. we think, you know, theoretically, going into the game. And then the other side, the Raiders are probably just playing Aiden O'Connell and Chase Garbers. Maybe Brian like, Hoyer, right. And then you're like, okay, we let's let's go ahead and say the quarterback favor, favors the other side. Oh, I know? agree. I get to the right. point where it's favored for San Francisco. Yeah. But just the the reaction to that news, I thought was astonishing. Yeah, it, it seemed like a significant overreaction for yep. sure, no question. So we get to watch this performance. Let's hear from Josh McDaniels on a couple of things. First off, yesterday was great. It was Aiden O'Connell's coming out party. Surely, he was a standout for Josh McDaniels. Not necessarily one specific person or another. I think there's um, there was some guys. Certain, uh, like I said after the game, I thought. Our players played with decent effort and competitiveness throughout. Um, I like that across the board. Um, and I think that we had a number of guys that did some decent things, but I also know that there's, um, you know, enough guys that you know, they play, they all played enough plays to to be able to go in there and, and, and try to make some corrections tomorrow. So I wouldn't say anybody specifically stood out. Well, I can't even give you Aiden O'Connell anything, huh? Well, the way the question was phrased, I should point this out because I was. I don't want journalistic I on, integrity. I was on the Zoom. The question was: Was there anybody after watching the film that didn't necessarily stand out during the game that did stand out after watching uh, the film? Okay. Just, just to be. So clear. I was misled by the Lotus Audio crew. Maybe. Yeah. I was like, "Well, I'm watching Aiden O'Connell do everything possible here." Well, and he talked about Aiden O'Connell after the game yesterday, but that that was today, by the way. What'd you think of Aiden O'Connell? He was fine. Um, I felt like the Raiders did a lot of really good things schematically, which you don't usually see a lot of schematic work during the preseason. I felt like the Raiders did. Uh, you saw a lot of wide open guys, uh, but I, you know, I think there's a difference between you. Know, you can sit there and say, "Hey, the offensive line played really, really well." In fact, I think two of two of Pro Football Focus's best offensive linemen of the week were on the Raiders. Um, the, the offensive line did a really good job. I think the 49ers obviously had a lot of backups in there that weren't generating a lot of pressure. So O'Connell was able to kind of sit in the pocket and pick pick his target, and he threw a lot of really short passes to really, really wide-open guys. Now, not everybody can do that. You sure. see guys miss those throws all the time. In fact, you saw all three other quarterbacks in the game yesterday miss easy throws. He really didn't miss an easy throw. In fact, two of his incompletions of 15 of 18 were drops. Mm-hmm. He really didn't miss anything. Um, but there wasn't, you know, the only pass that I think you could sit there and say, wow, that was impressive was one of the incompletions down the field uh, to Tucker, who was, you know, open and he dropped it, just dropped it in the bucket. Perfect throw. Uh, didn't come up with it. So I thought that was the best throw and the most challenging throw that he had to make, and he succeeded. Uh, but there was little subtle things that I think you can take away and say, all right, good job. He, you know, there was a couple times we had to kind of change the platform. He had to kind of reset his feet. Uh, you know, a guy coming through, all right, reset, make an easy throw. He did it. Uh, so I, I don't want to get carried away and say, hey, this was this unbelievable performance. He made the throws that were there. He did everything he was supposed to do, everything he was asked to do. I think they're probably coming away very impressed. What do you think? He's the feature. There you go. <laughs> okay. That's what I was there looking we go. for. That's what I was looking for. Sorry, I'm so deliver. He's the only Raiders quarterback to ever wear number four. He made a throw better than anything Derek Carver did. Ever in his career. That was according to Mike Florio. That was a little Honest. ridiculous. Well, I think you've been. I think it's been you that's been harping, right? He at the very least should be their primary backup. Of course, he should be the primary backup. What are you going to do with Hoyer? Win games. 
Okay. Uh, that's, I don't know if that's true, but I will say that Brian Hoyer has been the most consistent quarterback in training camp. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of the backups. No, of anyone. It's been well-detailed. Garoppolo has had some very bad practices. <laughs> Facts don't matter. It's been, it's been well-detailed. Now, he, I, I thought he did really well in the joint practices, which is what you want to look for. Like, Revenge joint practices, right? Competitive situations, You know, teams that don't really know what you're trying to do. I thought Garoppolo stepped up and played well. But in terms of who has been consistently good every day, Brian Hoare has been the best quarterback in camp. You hit on something that I think is pretty interesting when it comes to McDaniels. Uh, the scheming, not like underhanded scheming. <laughs> yeah. Right. The, I thought they clearly had a game plan yesterday. Yeah. Like they were trying to set him up for success. And it's an interesting thing because McDaniels, I don't think he's yet considered this. Again, tying in the betting thing. And a lot of people in betting preseason look for like, hey, man. You know, what are the coaches that want to win? It's you know, it's John Harbaugh who's won a million preseason games consecutively. Mike Zimmer was one of them for a while. Okay, it seems that Josh McDaniels is one of those guys. And a you, the media, asked him a little bit about establishing a winning culture. Yeah, I think it's um, you know that's a there's a process to that, mm-hmm. and um, you know when you when you change um, things in an organization and. Um, you know, there's there's always uh, a new a vision or a way of, um, you know, doing things that uh, takes a little time to getting used to in terms of, uh, you know, kind of perfecting the detail and execution of, you know, whatever phase of it it might be, whether that's off the field, on the field, um, you know, in the off season, during season, whatever it might be. Why? Why does it matter to win games? confidence there you go it worked for the fans i saw a lot of fans like we're so much better than i thought i went to a settled down i went to a quinceanera yesterday okay and um the the father you were i mean you were invited right you didn't just show i up. just showed up i was like this looks like a blast <laughs> like, you play shortstop for the race <laughs> i went it was my wife's cousin okay it was his sure. cousin yes just making sure and her father is a 49ers fan and so to your point you know, they were doing the emotional speeches. And so her dad, you know, is like, you know, like, yeah, I love my daughter. This is great. It's been 15 years. And he makes a reference to like his work buddies, who I guess are Raiders fans. And like all of a sudden, everybody was like, Raiders, yeah, they beat the 49ers. I was like, all right. It's a preseason game. So silly. What are we doing? It's, I mean, everybody points it out and it's, it's, it's stupid, but, you know, the 0 and 16 Lions, the worst team of all time, were 4 0 in the preseason. <laughs> I mean, it literally means nothing. Peyton Manning's Colts were the, were horrendous in the preseason. There's little things that you look for. There's little things again that you sure. know, we talked about earlier. There's little things you say, okay, this this look good. This they're doing this well. I like this, but especially when there's no starters on the field, you you just can't. You there can't was, judge anything. There was, I mean, I thought there were two quarterbacks are going to be the face of the league in a few years. Trey and Aiden, Aiden O'Connell and Trey Lance. <laughs> okay, when they're duking it out for Super Bowls, Sam Darnold is actually fairly impressive. He was, and then the offense kind of fell apart, but yeah. there were some missed opportunities. Yeah. Like, what was there? Was a fumbled kickoff? Was that, or no, excuse me, was it a no, punt? Fumbled. It was a fumble after a pass. There we go. Thank you very yeah. much. That set the Raiders up with a short field, yeah. and they immediately punched in. And then um, a, a, a wide open drop that turned into an interception that yep. was run back to the two yard line, also. Yes. Uh, I and think two missed field goals by, by the well, third that, round draft pick kicker. You know, we have to take a break because we have a guest coming up. We'll have to talk about that, too, because I know people don't care about kickers. Uh, you do. I do. But the 49ers are making a decision there at their position with kicker. And the reports were he's been awesome in camp, but yesterday, Oof. oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening there. 
We'll get back to the 49ers perspective of the uh, the A whooping at Allegiant. I call it that. It's a good alliteration, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, I just didn't know if I, I was, uh, you know. Uh, it's I don't want to make it. Dirty. It wasn't great. If I said the actual thing, it'd be good, right? Still, it's. I mean, it's 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 a long way to get there just to try for some alliteration. Okay, I like alliterations. They're sure. solid. Sure, it's also the preseason. Let's say let's let's talk to let's talk to somebody who's better at entertaining the masses uh, than I. Uh, Mike Tolan is with us. Uh, nice enough to give us some time here today. American film and television producer uh, worked on quite a few things. We're going to talk slam ball with Mike as well. Mike, we appreciate some time. I want to get to slam ball here in a second, but we were talking about this, and, and this has been something that I think has been pretty fascinating that's happened over the last few years. So you were an executive uh, producer of The Last Dance, that 10-part documentary series on Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Do you guys realize, those of you who worked on The Last Dance, what you've done in for the documentary space Everybody has a sports documentary now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, and how am I supposed to respond to that? What I, you ruined I say it? Sorry, no, I say you, thank you, or you're welcome, or sorry. No, you um, did. You did too well. You, you did, did too well. Exactly. Uh, Everybody well. thinks that, that now we have a thirst you. for this thing. <laughs> There's a few things um, that have happened in the sports media landscape and have started trends, and um, who knows how long they're going to last, and who knows if that's a a positive or a negative. You could say the same thing about Drive to Survive, right? Look at all the the uh, offshoots of Drive to Survive, tennis, golf, surfing, Formula One, I, I mean, uh, Tour de France. You could say it about Ted Lasso. In, in my world, there's a proliferation of scripted co- dramedies or comedic dramas that are, that are, that are set in the sports world. Um, the Last Dance has certainly um, led to a lot of sports bio documentaries. Um, I think for the most part, they've been stories worth telling and stories people have enjoyed. Um, of course, the, the Jordan thing was a once-in-a-lifetime. Once um, there was a confluence of events, including a pandemic, <laughs> that conspired to you know kind of make it the only thing on and make it appointment viewing and bring families together in ways that really hasn't happened for a long time especially in a time-shifted streaming universe where everybody's watching different episodes at different times. and So, um, yeah, it was, it was a crazy, crazy time. Um, Jason Hare, the director and the team, were sending out hard drives to all five boroughs in Manhattan. There were five editors, and they each had a hard drive in their own separate borough, and somehow we had to all figure out how to piece it all together um, and make ten episodes uh, when, when, when nobody was seeing each other or talking to each other, and um, wow, it just kind of worked, huh? That's the rumor. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think the sports documentary uh, is something that has worked so well that people want? Is it that they want to see the athletes that they think are superhuman as humans? They want to see that behind the scenes? They want to relive the sporting moments? Why are sports documentaries so successful? Well, so guys, I don't know if this makes me the right guy or the wrong guy to ask the question of, but I came out of college. Well, I'm now just going to age myself, but what the hell? Um, I came out of Stanford in 1977, and three days later, I was working on a TV series called Greatest Sports Legends. Wow. Okay? It was a, a half-hour show. You guys were some, probably not born yet. No. or probably never heard of it. Um, it was, the I think, the fifth season of the show, and Tom Seaver was the host. And every week, we'd go to, we'd bring a celebrity sports star to La Costa, in uh, Carlsbad, California, and they'd get you know free reign of the joint. We'd pay them a couple hundred bucks, and they were happy to sit and talk to Tom about their career, and we'd intersperse footage. There was no ESPN yet. There was no YouTube. There was no Google. There was no other way 
to relive these highlights, and it just kindled the conversations of, you know, who is better, Willie Mays or and Garen? Who is better, Gail Sayers or Jim Brown? These are the, you know, the guys at, at the time who were in the conversation. Um, so, I mean, I think that's what makes sports so great is it's, um, it's subjective, it's, it's partial. We all have our favorites. We all are part of communities that root for teams, and, 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 and these guys become more than just sports stars. They become our kids' heroes. They become role models. They become pillars of the community. Um, so, you know, you're talking to a guy who's kind of made a great deal of his living by telling these stories. Um, sometimes we make them out to be bigger heroes than maybe they deserve. But, you know, if that's, if that's our worst crime in the world, I can, I can live with that. Um, you know, to me, telling the story of Hank Aaron or, or uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, or Derek Jeter or Michael Jordan, I, I feel great about um, letting him tell his story and maybe even raising their um, iconic status to another level. I mean, Jordan's in a category of his own. Um, and, and when we talk about the last dance and you come up with all the reasons why it had the impact that it did, it still really comes down first and foremost to Michael Jordan. Yeah, no question about it. Well, look, uh, before you came on, my co-host John was like, he was just freaking out and nerding out over your resume. Um, it is incredibly <laughs> impressive. There's no question well, about I'm it. Well, I'm glad I didn't hear that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, because no, for me, I mean, to, to full disclosure, I like sports documentaries and whatnot, but a big part of my childhood growing up is Keenan and Kel, it's Good Burger. So, like, those oh, things wow. deep in the resume, cool. like, those are show all that. Like, I love shows like that growing up. And, and, oh, that's great to hear. And not to pile Thanks. on, you're just going to have to listen to us uh, fawn over everything. <laughs> um, oh, man. You work, working on Varsity Blues, and by the way, one of my favorite movies of all time, Summer Catch. I mean, oh, wow. you've had your hands in That was so the first movie I directed. Yeah. And uh, it gave me an excuse to go up and hang out in the summer watching the Cape League. And, man, a man spending the summer with Jessica Biel, who, Tough. you know, arguably had, had a better arm than Freddie Prince Jr. Okay, <laughs> I said it. Also, uh, you directed uh, – What? how come Arliss isn't better remembered? I, I have no idea. Well, that's it's a, so it's good. a great question, you guys. You know, I, I would say that um, – Robert Wool, who I thought was really the right guy for the role, was was not everybody's cup of tea. He was an acquired taste. He, you know, he he's a character actor. When you think about him, like in Bull Durham or in Batman or in Blue Chips, and now all of a sudden he was the leading man in Arliss, and uh, you know it didn't work for everybody. I, I mean, we we had seven long years together. Um, we made eighty shows. We had three hundred plus cameos of celebrities, everybody wanted to be on the show. It's funny how you realize um, the actors are so excited to sort of rub elbows with the athletes, but it goes both ways. The athletes are so excited to you know, come to a set and rub elbows with, with the actors. Um, so um, it's, uh, he, he, was, you know, he wrote the shows, he directed some of the shows, he was responsible for the editing, he started in it. It was really his baby. And um, he was a stand-up comedian at heart, and sometimes we let the joke take precedence over reality. Um, when I came up with the idea for the show, I pitched it to HBO as the Larry Sanders show in the sports world. You guys remember Larry Sanders? Sure, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that was my favorite show. And I, what I loved about it was that it was a it was a scripted show and it was an acted show, but they never really broke the reality. They played it full full hilt all the way as if it was a legitimate documentary. And so I really admired that craft and that restraint 
And we didn't necessarily adhere to those restraints. We kind of, like I said, let the, let the joke take precedent sometimes. And, Maybe we're a little, you know, over the top. But anyway, yeah. you can't complain about having seven, <laughs> seven great years together. So, sure. and, feels, uh, feels pretty good. yeah. And if if people haven't heard of it or seen it, like try to find a way to find it. Well, like a lot of the stuff uh, that you have done, it just it kind of lives forever. So it's it's fantastic. So a part of being as successful as you've been with a lot of these different projects is understanding what audiences want. How quickly, when you you know were talking about Slam Ball back in the day, like how quickly did you know, like, oh, people are going to like this? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we usually tell the story when Mason Gordon came to me with a napkin, a, a really primitive drawing of something that looked like a basketball court and had things where this was supposed to be a tramp and you could, you know, uh, they were embedded in the court. I was actually on my way to direct Summer Cat since you guys mentioned the movie and I patted him. Um, somewhat patronizingly on the shoulder and said, that, that, that's great. I'm going to go make a movie now. I'll, I'll see you in a few months. He was sort of low man on the totem pole. He was, you know, a great addition to our backyard basketball game. But, you know, he was he was a young production assistant who would do whatever we needed to have done. And we weren't necessarily looking to him for ideas for the next great thing. But he kind of had a great idea, and he was extremely passionate. And when I came back from summer catch um he was still sitting there with the same damn drawing and so i said all right man let's let's give it a whirl now you know what we knew then which is even more true now is that it's it's really going to be a media play that's what that's what that's what's going to drive revenues and that's what's going to create the kind of exposure you need to launch a new sport um so and that was our world was you know creating content um and and since you guys mentioned those nickelodeon shows i'll be hecked had been our executive at Nickelodeon, had moved over to Spike TV. He was a good friend. Um, he was a guy I knew would sort of take a take a shot with us. And so we made a demo. We sent it to Albie. Um, and he said, you know, we got this new network. We should have our signature sport. This looks like it's going to appeal to the younger demographics that we're going for with this channel. Let's give it a shot. And so, um, you know, it was, it was letting the marketplace, you know, kind of let us know that, um, there was an, there was going to be an audience for it, and and similarly, twenty years later, um, you know, we we wandered in the wilderness largely because I think we let the, the the dictates of TV kind of take over. I mean, there's a line that I think maybe we allowed to be crossed where um, the integrity of the sport was you know over overwhelmed by the demands of you know the the hour time block and and getting you know. The, packaging the show and making it, the commercial breaks come at the right times. Um, and, and so we, we, we really fell away from our original goal, which was not to just create another TV series, but to actually create a new sport. So when the pandemic happened and all of a sudden there was hashtag bring back slam ball getting 200 and some million views and ultimately about a half a billion views. And it was this clamor because people were watching these highlights and saying, well, where did this go? And even, even like the Kings of snark, like Barstool sports had, had Mason, my partner on, and we're like, you know, loving him and saying, you know, we got to support this. We need to bring it back. So I think it's kind of like listening to the groundswell, listening to, um, the, the, the clamor. And, and ultimately, um, we felt like again, in a, in a world where now the networks are, really have diminished audiences and the only things that people are watching are live sports that in a, in a non-time shifted universe 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of like coming to the line of scrimmage and calling an audible. You look at the defense and you, you, you call play and you realize maybe I got the wrong play and maybe we got it. The timing is wrong or the approach is wrong. And we felt like coming back now, um, we're going to make sure that we focus on sport. Okay, so it's going to be broadcast all live. There's going to be betting lines, and thanks to Circa, there's a, there are betting lines for these games, and we'll have hopefully have some props for the playoffs and finals coming up. Um, there's standings, there's stats, there's swag to buy. Um, the announcers treat this, you know, with full integrity of a sporting event, and that's why we, you know, we're able to get ESPN to be our broadcaster. So as a very long-winded saying, long-winded way of saying, you know, you kind of got to read the, read the tea leaves, and they were very different 20 some years ago than they are now, but. Um, I feel kind of great that we were able to sort of, you know, keep our eye on the prize and uh, brought it back, and it's been going great. Vegas has been a, a wonderful host, and um, we're, we're coming up to the to the, the big events this week, and um, hopefully we'll have packed houses again and um, keep this sport alive. I've got to ask, did you make the call to former Tree Hill Raven Nathan Scott to make an appearance this past weekend in Slam Ball? And how important has social media been to this, you know, new second coming of Slam Ball? Well, yes, I did. It wasn't just an accident that James Lafferty appeared. Um, since you guys seem to know the whole resume, um, when we brought Slam Ball back in about 2008, we were doing One Tree Hill and... Um, Nathan Scott, the character you just mentioned, was played by James Lafferty. And the storyline was a blue-chip NBA prospect got in a bar fight and crushed his career prospects, and he was going to have to go back to what was then called the D-League, before it was the G-League, and rehab. And James, the actor, called me up and said, Mike, instead of me going back to the D-League, that's really boring, why don't we bring a slam ball court down to Wilmington, North Carolina, where we're playing, and let me rehab in slam ball. That would be so much more fun. So James felt he fell so far in love with the sport that by the end of the season he was like, "Hey, can I get out of my contract on One Tree Hill and just come play slam ball?" <laughs> no, sir, you cannot. But 15 years later, he reached out and said, "Oh my God, slam ball's back! Can I come? Can I come?" So we said, "Of course, you're like slam ball royalty." So you know, he bought a new pair of Nikes, he got up there in the tramps. I think he sounds like he might have seen his social media. Um, he got above the rim, and he did some between the legs, and he was doing some pretty great moves. And um, it was great to see him back. It was a lot. It was really interesting to see how many people recognized him. And, uh, he had a ball. He absolutely just you know felt like a kid in a candy store. Well, as you said, it's a big week, slam ball. It's, it's wrapping up. It's been unbelievable to watch. We've been talking about it a lot here, and uh, we've all been out there. It's it's incredible. Great work. Uh, we'll close again by fawning over. Your resume. Um, what I like about you, one of the most underrated sitcoms of all time. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, by the way, the, you guys are the, the, comedy, the Comedy Store documentary, we talked about, I think, for three whole weeks yeah. on this show. Wow. Wow. Maybe. maybe Damn, I, I need to have you guys on speed dial, you man, should. and then talk to some of those critics out there. Man. Hey, but since we're, <laughs> since we're fawning, and, and, and what I like about you is that you allow this thing to keep, keep going in free form. So let me at least put in a plug for people in Vegas. Sure. Tomorrow night, Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the Cox Pavilion are the quarterfinals and the dunk contest. You know what the dunk contest is oh, going to look like we can't on wait. tramps and a slam ball court? And then Thursday night at 8 o'clock will be the semifinals, followed by the finals, Cox Pavilion, 8 o'clock both nights. Come on out, guys. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big show. Yep, We've been talking about it. We'll keep talking about it. We'll keep pushing it, keep pushing people out there. Uh, the last thing I want to say is we need to bring back the franchise. For those that didn't see it, it was a – it was a it was hard knocks for baseball, absolutely incredible. 
loved it. So uh, maybe that will come back. Some <laughs> we're trying. We're trying. Um, believe me, we're trying. I think with all the you know, drive to survive type shows, baseball needs it more than any other sport, right? We need yeah. to create heroes and we need to, to make people. Uh, it's been a good year for baseball, right? Kind of a renaissance. People are coming yeah. back to the game. It's quicker. The pitch clock, the shifts, all that. Um, so hopefully, if not this year, maybe next year we'll we'll have the revival of the franchise. We love it and keep it up. Keep up the great work. It's Thanks, incredible. guys. Yep, appreciate I it. Mike. Appreciate it all. Thanks, guys. Got it, Take Mike Tolan. Uh, again, um, a very famous Hollywood producer was on a lot of good shows. As we've already listed off a bunch of times, but also, of course, um, oh, I'll keep going. I was going to say yes. And uh, one of the <laughs> co-founders of Slam Ball. Let's pay some bills. We'll come back and uh, got a lot of things to clean up. I feel like we're in an interesting spot from a era standpoint in that was Keenan and Kel slash Good Burger after your time of watching those shows and before your time? Definitely in my time. It was? Okay. I, I can't remember how old, much older I am than you. How old are you? 27. Oh, okay. So I'm only about five years older than you. Yeah, okay. Did you? You wouldn't have watched I it, right? Watched it. I, I, I always skewed you much younger. Say you're, yeah, I was gonna say you're about ten years older yeah. than me. So I always skewed much younger. Though. Okay. Do you know who loves orange soda? Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, well, maybe he didn't. I mean, we had to test him. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, look, I, I it wasn't like my favorite thing. Oh, I definitely was always it's like, just it. like now. Like I'm always trying to keep up on things that are obviously considered skewing younger. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was. It certainly wasn't my age group. Like it wasn't people in my age group. I think were were past it, but I wasn't. Same with what I like about you. I think it was I think I was maybe out of my uh, demo, but I still loved it. I feel like should it have been fair? Should I have asked? Like, did you guys pull paying shenanigans with Keenan and Kel? Or did you actually pay them money during the show? Because I loved it. I hope they got theirs. <laughs> well, I mean, I, feel, I first of all, I'm still blown away by all the stuff that he's been a part of. Of course, that's wild. And also, I could tell, considering you kept listing them off for him. Also, did you? Well, I just kept seeing things like, what? That's what I was doing, too. It's incredible. We could keep going. Also, did he ever envision Keenan being on Saturday Night Live as long well, as Well, that's the other part, right? <laughs> it's like, understand, like, did you know what you had on your hands here? And how good, like, the career was going to be for this guy? Well, he also, I mean, kind of, Amanda Bynes' career did not go the way everybody thought. Well, yeah, but I don't know if that's his fault. You can't have all hits. No, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, there's because he worked with her on multiple shows, right? He did the Amanda Show and What I Like About You. Amanda Show wasn't that good. He was, he was the one because there was a time. Demond, you agree? You don't disagree? You don't? You like the Amanda Show? People may, people may forget this. There was a time, and you could look at. I'm sure the articles are still there. Amanda Bynes was considered oh the future of entertainment. Of course, like hands down, nobody will be more famous. She's the future. I mean, I'm trying to think of great, I don't know, like comedic actors of certain generations. But like she was going to be one of like our generations, like great female comedic actor yeah. looked like. Yeah. yeah. And and like she was like Tina Fey. That was supposed to be sure. even to a bigger degree. And people might laugh about that now or oh, no, whatever. No. That was absolutely the case. And he he had her I mean, he's the one that basically it sounds like found her with the Amanda show and with what I like about you, but uh, yeah, it didn't go quite as well as Keenan's career. But, but what an incredible run he's had! And Slam Ball has been awesome. I do have a, something to, you know, I've, I've a, I still have an issue with Slam Ball, but I don't think it's on his level, so we don't have to go into it. Is it the rules? Yeah, they did it again this okay. weekend. They did it again. What's the what? Okay, well, actually, yeah, you should have brought this up. Hold on. Okay, I don't so think he's it? running the social media. So the the issue with Slam Ball, one of the I think the one of the biggest things hindering them from 
blowing up even more. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows the rules, including right. the announcers, the referees, yep. the players, the coaches, certainly people that are watching. And so nobody gets it. You need to be a little bit more clear about what the rules are. And what you don't need, if you're a legitimate sport, taking betting, and by the way, he mentioned it and uh, Mason mentioned it when he was on as well, part of why they knew Slam Ball could come back is because there would be betting. That There would be a betting market and say, hey, look, people are going to bet on this. They're going to enjoy it. The betting being expanded, this will work. Great. But not if people don't understand what's going on. And there's times you're watching a game and they just stop and say, all right, three points for them. What? How? How did that happen? And if you look at the, their social media during matches on TV, it's just person after person after person. Can anyone explain the rules? Does somebody know the rules? What are the rules? And they, they quote tweet it and they're like, they, they make a joke about how nobody knows the rules. You can't do that. No, he's making the joke that I'm just the social media guy. He do, no, That's but, the joke he's but making. But he did the, uh, I'm sweating, uh, I don't know. Because he doesn't know. Right, he doesn't know. He's but just you the guy can't, But you can't media. do that. You're trying to be legitimate. Like, I get it. I, lo- I-, I love Slam Ball. I love the, you know, embracing kind of the fringes, whatever. Oh but you can't make jokes about how nobody knows the rules if you're taking bets and you're trying to be legitimate. Uh, so I- I'm seeing some of this. I also see breaking news from a few hours ago that apparently there's going to be a new voice in the uh, Slam Ball booth okay. this weekend. Rules yeah. official? Uh, <laughs> unless Marshawn Lynch has combed the rule yeah. book. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? I just threw a pen. I don't know if he saw that. We can't. Like, I love. I want this to work. We love it. When they announced it, who was more excited about it than me and you? Nobody. But you can't keep making a joke about it. Like that only goes for wow. Someone. That's Bobby Altov. Good. The good thing though. I mean, this is good social media. Actually, I don't. Do you know Kai who works for Three Man Weave? Yeah. Do you see this? No. So Kai McEwen, I think is his last name. Yeah. Uh, retweeted a clip of Slam Ball saying things that are way less cool as an adult than they were as a kid. Slam Ball. To which Slam Ball retweeted with a picture of Kai saying things that are way less cool as an adult than when they were a kid. Kyle's haircut. (laughs) (laughs) It's good social media It is. But the continuously making jokes about how they don't know the rules. I mean, I think you doubt how much people will bet on stuff they don't understand. The pandemic told us that. Adam, I was watching Overwatch League and trying to break it down from a betting standpoint because they were offering that out here in Las Vegas. Oh, boy. People were betting on Russian ping pong, games that they could not watch. They also they just they assumed understand. were on the up and up. <laughs> there were streams of that. That's why people were Not all it. of them. Not all of them. But they do understand. You were, you were looking at Windows 98 but run websites, you and you were like, this is, this is totally working. But this is also, legitimate. You also understand the rules of ping pong. But you can't see it. You have no idea if it's just something and they're just like, hey, let's, all right, we're getting money here. Let's just put the score up on the website. There's no confirmation. I would still almost rather bet that than something I just don't understand. And you want to know what the best part was? The sport, there was actually sports betting touts giving out Russian ping pong sides. Of course there was. Why wouldn't there be? Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. It's been such a ridiculous day that we are barely getting to one of the biggest stories of the weekend. Oh, we talked about Wander Franco. No, not Wander Franco. We gave Wander Franco enough time. Talked about the A-whipping at Allegiant, as you referred to it as? I think the ass-whipping at Allegiant. 
That's a good one. That wasn't the big story you're talking about either? The Annihilation at Allegiant? Oh, that's good. I was going to say Assimilation, but that... No, yeah? No. No, no right? No. 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 Assimilation means to put together. One of the Raiders last week mentioned the team's conceded effort. The team was making a conceded effort to force turnovers. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, that makes they're, sense if you're using it the right way. Arrogant. But yeah, that's not... Okay. A conceded effort. That's good. No! I mean, speaking of, con- I guess you can argue this is conceded. James Harden. It's a conceded effort. <laughs> For sure. For those who missed this over the week, so this this is a slowly, it's not a slowly, escal- it's an escalating story. So while I was out hitting them straight, golf course. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Demond looked all confused. Get a report on my phone, a buzz, that 76ers have closed out trade talks when it came to James Harden. They were never having serious trade talks because they were asking for the moon and they were not going to get that. And then, like late at night, all of a sudden, was it last night? Mm-hmm. We get Shams tweeting out out of nowhere a video clip in which James Harden says this. Trevor Mori is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Mori is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Okay. Any more questions? You good? Okay, so he was taking questions, I guess. I mean, for, uh, do we, in true honor of how this show works, we have to focus on the non-important stuff first, which is the people in the background. Oh, oh, oh. I like those people. <laughs> And then clapping afterward. Like, yeah, James, give me some of your money. Look, I'm a fan. I promise. All right, so he called Daryl Moore a liar and said that he was never going to be part of an organization Who that he's were a part the of people? again. The Chinese, baby. And if there's anybody that hates Dor- Daryl Morey, it's the Chinese. Oh, is, was that what it was? It was in China. He's on his China tour right now. Oh, wow. All so right. they were like, Daryl Morey, we hate that. Yeah, that's a good time. He was playing to his crowd, baby. That's awesome. Or do you think maybe they just don't even know what he was I'm sure, so, I'm sure maybe somebody, like you hear a couple of who's, maybe everybody, somebody else smartened up the rest of the crowd. That's the guy who said free Hong Kong. What? We hate him too. Or is there like, cause, because, you know, there's maybe a language barrier. Do they assume, like, they're just looking at the reaction of the people who are understanding and are just going, oh, this sounds juicy. Yeah. You, yeah. Liar? Somebody's a liar? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we're in. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess he just – maybe he didn't think there was cameras and that would get the – it would get no, across. Or maybe he knew. He just, when he said, let me say that again, somebody said that's like the preacher saying it's quiet in church. Yep. Yo, come on. He was, yo, come on now. Y'all, y'all must not be hearing me. That's what he said. Not good for the trade value, probably. We mean it goes up. He wants out. Right, but now everybody knows he wants out. He can't stay. And the Sixers now want an established star and picks. They now want? Yeah. They've been asking for it forever. Good luck. I think James Harden still has some value, but here's the thing. It's not the same situation like when he was in Houston. He's on an expiring deal. He's got to play to some extent. Because if he's going to do this and put the fat suit on again – like he did that one year in Houston where he showed up really overweight but then all of a sudden was skinny in like three weeks. You're not exactly playing with the, you know, you don't have a lot of leverage if you're James. Realize, 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 man. That's all he did right there. Say it right, though. Realize, realize, realize. (laughs) 
Yeah, Kyrie. I want to get this Kyrie tweet off real quick because Adrian Rojanowski said disgruntled Harden, and then Kyrie responded, "Is he no, disgruntled?" Hold on, no, hold on. He didn't. Woj didn't say that. He tweeted a story. He just shared an article that said it. Well, Kyrie's it holding his feet. To it fire. wasn't written by him. It wasn't. It, was, it wasn't his story. He didn't comment on it. I just kind of like Nothing. the condescending. Is he Adrian? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all. All. Woj Me and Kyrie did, don't have time for facts. All Woj did was tweet out the story. It wasn't his story, and he didn't comment on the story. He just tweeted out the story from someone else, and then Kyrie decided to go after him and say, "Is he disgruntled?" Pick your battles and find who you're really tweeting. 